You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at home and abroad. The Vancouver Irish Film Festival gets underway again this year, uh, after a tremendous year last year. And on November 30th at 7.30pm at the Van City Theatre, which is out on Seymour Street, uh, the film Rosie will be screened. And Rosie is directed by Paddy Brannock. And I had the pleasure of seeing an earlier film of uh, Paddy's Viva at a film festival on the east side of Canada and uh, having had a look at the trailer for Rosie and seeing some of the reviews all I can say is that um, I found myself disturbed even by seeing the trailer and if that is not a taste of what a movie is about I don't know. It's written by the acclaimed novelist and screenwriter Roddy Doyle and uh, Paddy directed it and previous works include I Went Down in Viva and Rosie is a deeply affecting film that is set over the course of only 36 hours where Rosie Sarah Green, uh, she struggles to find emergency accommodation for herself and her four children and uh, Sarah previously you may have seen her in Black 47, and her husband, Mo Dumford, uh, I've had the opportunity to see in The Dig. Both are fantastic actors. Uh, Paddy, thanks a million for coming along. Her, her, her on-screen husband. Her on-screen husband. Her on-screen husband. Indeed. They've, they've been a husband and wife on-screen, I think, three or four times now at this stage. Right. Well, Paddy, thanks a million for coming along for a chat. You're welcome. I'm very delighted to be here. So, delighted the film is going to be seen in Vancouver. Um, previous work, you started out in 1994, was it your first big screen production? Um, I, in 1990, what was I doing in 1990? Um, yeah, well, I just made a short, my first short film, I think. No, actually, I hadn't. My first short film was 1991. Right. Um, and then I made, in 94, I made uh, my first film, Ailsa, which was based on a short story by Joseph O'Connor, the Irish novelist. Um, yeah, so it's a long, it's a, I'm, I'm a veteran now, I suppose. I suppose. And when you mentioned Joseph O'Connor, I understand he just got an award this week in well, Dublin. I didn't see that. Uh, it was the, at the Irish Book Awards. Yes. Ah, that's, that's great. I'm delighted for him. I, I heard him interviewed during, earlier in the week, I think, and, but I, I didn't see the results of that, so I, I didn't hear that. Well, that's great. Indeed. So then, uh, you're, I mentioned Viva, and I remember when you and I chatted about Viva, one of the great things and fascinating was that was here was an Irish movie that was set in Cuba in Spanish. And I know we chatted about that. Uh, but let's moving on to Rosie. And uh, Rosie, as I say, we have Sarah Green as Rosie Davis, and Maud Dumford as her on-screen husband as John Paul, and then uh, the kids. Uh, set in Dublin, very current, dealing with the housing crisis and the challenges that people encounter when they find that they, um, and I use the term because I in the trailer it says, find themselves homeless, although they would, uh, Rosie would say that she's not homeless. Um, very, very poignant, a very powerful movie. Yeah, well, it's it's something, I suppose, um, definitely within Ireland, it's been a huge issue over the last number of years. And, uh, you know, the story tells, you know, that 36 hours in the life of this family where they're, they're involved in the they're newly involved in the emergency accommodation system um, where they're having to stay in, uh, you know, find their own accommodation 
um, and stay in hotels largely uh, every night. So it sort of, you know, just follows those a woman trying to hold her family together and trying to preserve some sort of normality against a sort of context of increasing pressure of not being able to 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 manage you know some even some of the most basic ordinary things that we would expect um and that's uh so that's what the film is and it it, it carries a huge amount of tension in doing that i think um and it I suppose it resonates because it's such a you know an immediate issue here, and I think internationally now as well, it's it's something that's that's happening um, in many countries, and I think it's there's something um, I suppose for me like it, it cuts a little bit beyond the immediacy of that social issue that's very pertinent. There's it cuts a little bit further into into I suppose. You know the difficulties of 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 trying to maintain a family life, um, um, and the difficulty of trying to maintain faith in a in a world that maybe feels very harsh. You know, how do you how do you have faith in tomorrow? How do you have faith in yourself to cope or manage? And um, so, and I think that sort of resonates with with the audiences, and it, and it definitely. You know, from the feedback that we've got and the reviews and everything, people found it very moving. Now, you mentioned that it's very much an Irish story at the moment, but likewise, it is very much an international story at the moment because on this side of the Atlantic, we hear of the housing crisis that's in Silicon Valley, in Seattle, in Toronto, in Vancouver. It is a universal issue. Yeah, well, and and in you know just in the UK they're having an election at the moment, and there's a you know a huge issue that you know I think there's a statistic come out that a hundred thousand people a year can't afford to get into the the um, the housing system, and um, uh, their you know rent accommodation and the the sort of rental market, the rents have gone through the roof, so. Um, that's not a viable alternative for many people because they can't afford that either. And also there's a high degree of insecurity that comes with it. So it creates a situation, you know, I was reading in the paper the other day here as well, you know, where there was sort of children who are in that system of emergency accommodation um, and homelessness uh, are, have very high rates of mental illness. Um, so it's something that... Um, is hugely counterproductive, not only obviously for the families themselves, but for society going forward. Those things are going to be very detrimental and damaging to the society um, if people don't feel they have a stake in it and if they are damaged by their experiences. Um, it, it's, you know, it's, it's something that's terrible, but it is a, it's a story that seems to be whatever our... Um, the way our economies are working at the moment, that um, things that seem to be remote and on the margins are much closer to ordinary people now. You know, things that seem to be extraordinary and would never happen to them um, now are much, much closer to them. So, looking back over a number of years when Roddy Doyle, who wrote the screenplay on this, wrote some of his earlier work, as you say... 
things that were on the margins when Roddy was writing many years ago uh, seemed remote, whereas now these issues are on people's own doorsteps, and I think the um, insulation that people may have had previously it is not as easy to keep yourself insulated away from these issues. And I think that this film from The Little I've Been Able to See certainly highlights that. Yeah, well, it's not like people, you know, people maybe who are even in their, you know, own their own house and have paid off their mortgage and are living there would see their children and say, well, will my children be able to afford to buy themselves a house or, or have a stake in, in that uh uh, that part of the world that gives them a security maybe um, and uh, I think that's that's no longer you know something that just people took for granted that their you know their children would go on and do what they were able to do it isn't um, necessarily possible anymore so so the issue which maybe was in the, you know on the margins in the sense that we associated it with maybe you know substance abuse or or uh, mental illness and you know uh, uh, other issues that marginalised people um, has come much much closer uh, to everybody and that then I suppose in itself aside from all the immediate damages of that it brings a fear in to society, you know, a fear that, you know, what's going to happen to me, you know, and I think that's very damaging, you know, that if you're operating out of out of a fear, is life feasible or possible and where I live, uh, will I, you know, can I feel security, and I think they're very basic things that the film explores. And I think it also explores and shows to some degree the helplessness that some people must feel relative to how do you solve these problems? Yeah, I think, you know, like in, in Rosie, you know, the fa they're a very loving family and they're kind of a family who are sort of pretty resilient and positive and they're, they're, they're likeable and, there's a, you know, it's a great credit to Roddy. There's a lightness in the script and a sense of, um, uh, you know, I wouldn't I would say it's a sense of fun, but there's a lightness about the characters, and uh, you know that some of the children in particular, you know, have, have moments of charm and comedy and humour about them. Um, and but even this family that we we learn to love and we want to be within the film, and people kind of really get close to them. Um, even they, uh, you know, a really good family their existence and their survival is called into question. And I think that's, we bring them to a point where they have to face into, um, you know, their first night sleeping in a car, you know, and that's sort of, it's like the, you know, a platform's no longer a given. Um, you know, things that they took for granted about themselves, they can't take that for granted anymore, you know. So it's had, it has a quite a chilling end, actually, the film. So since it has hit the screens, um, it was on the festival circuit and uh, went into general release, and I know it got very high ratings at um, uh, Rotten Tomatoes. How has it been for you since it hit the screens? Um, well, I, I've enjoyed, you know, it was a great um, um, privilege to make it, you know, and to work with some fantastic people on a film that had, you know, had, had such pertinence. And... Um, so it was a great experience making it, and then in in terms of screening it, um, you know, I've, 
it's a film, and quite like Rose, uh, like Viva, I suppose as well. It's a film that I'm I'm very happy to stand in front of and answer questions about and travel with because I know uh, it works and it affects people and. Um, and that's and it, it catches some sort of truth that people understand. Um, so it's a very enjoyable experience to to travel with a film like that, um, because it feels that you're you know you you enter into a genuine conversation um, or it prompts a genuine conversation that you 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 can become part of you know with your with the audience. Uh, how has the reaction been in Ireland? Uh, yeah, it was fantastic. It was I mean, like in terms of critical reaction, it was you know, it was absolutely wonderful. And in the UK as well, and in the States, you know, we got great reviews in in the New York Times and the LA Times, um, and then all the, all of the kind of main sort of outlets in in the UK, we had fantastic reviews. So the critical reaction is is you know uh, has been wonderful. Um, you know, audiences went to see it. You know, it's always sort of a little bit tough to get them to go and see a film that has that. You know, maybe it's, it has a social issue with it. You mm-hmm. know, that it's it's sort of there's there can be a resistance to going. But anybody who did really enjoyed it, and they felt it, um, it was very enriching. So and, and and they were shy to tell us, which was great. Um, so no, it was look, it's. You know, you get to work with great producers and great actors, and uh, you know, on a, on a great script with you know by Roddy, who's you know great person to work with as well. So it's it's a pleasure, and I've I've had a really enjoyable time with it. I in know, in spite of the the context. Right, and I know that by the time a piece of work like this hits the screen. Uh, for you, you're probably on to your next project or maybe even deeply immersed in your next next project. There's always three or four things going around, but basically the one that I think is going to happen next is, is a film called, well, the, it's based on a novel called Sal, and at the moment the film is still called Sal, um, which is set in Scotland, and it's sort of an adventure with two young girls who have to escape from a sort of difficult family life. And... Um, it's it's a really nice book and and Conor McPherson is adapting um, the screenplay the book he, he's writing the screenplay so and he's done a great job so far so um, we're sort of quite excited about it but I won't be filming that until you know I think summer autumn next year right and in in the intervening period then for a director if like as when one movie hits is Sign, seal, delivered, but not yet on the screen. And before, as you say, before you start going to the next one, what does a director do for the intervening eighteen to twenty-four months? Yeah, well, you're sort of developing material. So a lot, all the films that I'm involved in, I would be part of the script development process. So the scripts, you know, some of them from the very beginning, you know, the discussions of what it is going to be, or you know, and even sometimes, you know, who the writer might be. So you're you're involved in that. So if you you know across maybe three or four or five projects, uh, you're reading projects as well that are sent to you. Um, uh, I you know did a couple of episodes of a um, TV series called Vikings that they shoot in Ireland and and it's actually edited in Canada. Right. Um, so I did a couple of episodes of that. So you're that that type of thing, you know. You're, you try and keep going. Uh, well, it's more, I suppose, that for the people 
who come and sit and watch a movie. A lot of them have a structured life in that they get up in the morning, they go to work, they come yeah. home, they have dinner, and then they go to a movie. Whereas yeah. your life may not be quite as structured. No, it isn't, but it has its own rhythms, let's say, that you, be, you begin to know. And um, so you're, you know, you, you have to read a lot in your reading, you know, so you might be reading uh, particular scripts or books but also you might be reading around those things, you know, so you're researching if you're involved in a particular project, you know, when the project's involved in, um, has a lot of music in it, so I'm kind of reading about some of the musical uh, aspects of that film, the, the particular artists, um, you know, the context of where that music came from. So you're sort of researching a lot, and you're watching a lot as well, because you've got to fill the well, you know what I mean? You sort of draw on your own, um, uh, the well that you you feed yourself with for in terms of things you've seen and read and listened to, and then you you you, you have to fill it up again because you're drawing so much on it. So uh, that's use a lot of that. You know, that's a lot of the stuff that you do, and uh, then looking after children sometimes and uh, sharing with the <laughs> family responsibilities and other ordinary things. Right. Um, yeah, so it's like uh, you you also travel a bit. Like after a film is finished, you kind of you know there's maybe six months or eight months where you travel a reasonable amount with the film. So you you know you'll go on you know maybe ten trips or something like that, and then maybe three or four, um, three or four days each. You know, so it's sort of that fills up the time quite a bit as well. You know? So, and when you say you travel, of course, these would be for the uh, opening the nights or for yeah, some festivals, festivals and, and in various territories as well. You know that you know if the film is you know um, being released in a particular territory, you'd go and support it there, either by doing some press stuff or attending a few screenings or, and that sort of thing. So, like even this month, I'm going to Paris. To do, Rosie won an award, and um, so I'm going over to get that. And you know, there'll be a couple of roundtable discussions arising out of that. And you know, so those those sort of things keep going. You know. So, in, in other words, time is flying, and you don't even know it at the time. You, it's it is. It's a bit. So it's like you kind of when you're not filming, you you get into you know the prospect of traveling with the film is good because it sort of gives you a sort of sense of purpose purpose and definition about your time. But then when you're there, sometimes traveling, you sort of say, geez, I better get back and start being productive on the next thing. You know, so it's always a bit of a, um, there's a tension between following something through and supporting it, but not getting so far taken away from what your next thing should be, you know. But then, Paddy, when you spend that much time in prep work, when the first scene is due to be shot do you find a certain impatient intensity to actually make things happen then because there's been such a build up no you, you sort of it's for me it becomes a bit you know you're you know you're you're sort of for long periods of it you're kind of working with you know a small number of people cast and directors and you know producers and writer and uh, then it's only in the same two months or three months before you film something that gradually there's a lot more people come on board and then so you're kind of a lot of your work is feeding them in a way you know you know 
um, bringing them up to speed on what it is you want to do, getting their energy up, sort of making sure everyone's on the same wavelength, um, refining your ideas in from something that sometimes are vague or general into very specific things, you know, and being consistent about that. So you kind of get into a rhythm of making a lot of decisions and working with a lot of different people and relaying those decisions. Um, and that rhythm kind of is the important thing in a funny kind of way because that's what sustains you through the, the process. Whereas, um, so it's not like, it's an, it, it has an intensity to it, but it's not an intensity about a particular moment. It's the co- a co- the intensity is sort of the constant decision making process, um, that and trying to keep that rhythm going and keep that engine of the production going, you know, so that it's all the decisions are in the right sort of um, or in the consistent sort of flavour, you know. So that then would carry through to the cast. I would take it that for Sarah Green and for Mo, that at the point that they would come on board to convey what your goals are from a, how they interpret this. Yeah, so what, you, you know, with them, you know, you, you would have met them beforehand, um, before you cast them, and you'd have a discussion about it, which sets the tone initially, you know, and then when they come on board, you know, there's a whole series of technical things or, you know, aspects in terms of what their hair is going to look like, what their clothes are going to look like. So you're sort of, there's a whole process where they're absorbed in that and you're involved in this as well. And then you're reading, you know, you I read the script with them and not necessarily even rehearsing it, whatever, just read it and go through and discuss it and uh, clarify lots of bits and pieces. But in that process of clarifying it, you set a tone. Um, and then, you know, you might do a little bit of light rehearsal, but no, I don't like to over-rehearse because it becomes quite um, inert in a way. You want to make sure it's fresh when you come to shoot it on the day and it's not like it's been overworked. So so don't do that too much. But if you if you just think of, like, you know, the actors start coming maybe two weeks before you shoot. So if you think you've got, okay, you've got, you know, we had six principles, and then you've got all of the other people who are coming in and out. Time becomes very scarce, so it's all about being clear, quick, you know, um, I suppose um, not talking too much about anything, just trying to cut to the heart of it very quickly, and trusting in them to be able to bring that on the day. You know, you're not, you're not trying to micromanage them or anything like that, you're just trying to let them know the tone where you want it to be, the meaning of things in the script when you do your read-through, and then providing a situation where you can let it happen, you know? Well, Paddy, I noticed that many people would say, would say you never work with animals or children, and here you have four children in yeah. a highly tense, uh, intense movie. Was that a yeah. challenge? Um, I mean, there's certain challenges in, in the sense, you know, there's a good bit of it is in a car, so just physically being in the car and how you can manage, you know, both crew and cast in the car at the same time, you know, because there's obviously a limited amount of space in it. So, but the the children that we had were, were fantastic, um, and they brought a huge amount um, to the film 
both in terms of obviously playing their characters very well and everything, but just their general presence on set was a, had an energy and a lightness and an enthusiasm about it. So instead of it being, you know, where people say don't work with children and animals, expecting some disasters to happen, it was the reverse. Like everybody, in a way, the crew and the other actors, if the kids are being that good, everyone else has to up their game and nobody can be... People can't be difficult or obstreperous or, you know, in front of the children. You know what I mean? They, they, they'd be shamed, let's say. Um, so, so it wasn't difficult in that sense at all. Um, I mean, it's there's certain, let's say, there were certain difficult decisions we had to make in advance in order to say, well, how can you, you know, because there's a lot of restrictions in terms of the hours that you can have children on set and all of that. So how can we manage, how can we manage that process um, and still have a sort of sense of ensemble and lightness about it, you know, because, you know, sometimes, the, the, you know, there's a received wisdom that to shoot something with children because of the hours and restrictive hours they have, you try and compartmentalise it so you shoot them all individually a little bit. You know, you might do your wide shot and then you just shoot their close-ups um, so you you can, you know, you maximise your time with them. But it's a, that sort of compartmentalised way wouldn't give a sense of a family ensemble and a sense of unity in the group. So that was difficult. But we set out a certain plan and turned out it worked and we we you know we we kept going with it um and our shooting style suited getting that ensemble f- feel off of the off of the um the cast so it didn't turn out to be a problem but it could have been you know um could have been a problem if one or two of the children weren't great or you know um were inconsistent or one day they weren't in good form or something like that but that just didn't happen I was very lucky Indeed. well Paddy we should wrap up and uh, remind people that again November 30th 7.30pm Van City Theatre on Seymour Street the website is viff dot org and you will get all the details there. You can get tickets there as well. And the film is called Rosie. And we have been chatting with Paddy Brannock. And Paddy, I do really appreciate the amount of time you've given us. It's been great chatting with you. Not at all. Thanks very much, Austin. And I hope um, people enjoy it when they go and see it. And I'm really looking forward to getting to see it myself. Okay. All right. Take care, Austin. Bye-bye.